재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is time for Must Read Korean Book. Joining us today is Sarah Kwan. Sarah is a freelance interpreter based in Seoul. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. So this is our last episode of Must Read Korean Book. Oh my goodness, I am so heartbroken. (laughs) So you have brought in an essay collection today. Can you tell us about it? Yes, so I brought in um, 자유로울 것. Mm-hmm. Which is to be free mm-hmm. by Im Kyung Sun. Because you're setting us free. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't being ironic, but. <laughs> right. I mean, freedom includes so many things and can be looked at from a great number of angles and contexts. So, is there any one in particular that um, the writer Im Kyung Sun focuses on? Mm-hmm. So, the writer specifies why she chose it in the prologue. Mm-hmm. In my last essay collection, Tedoe Kwanayo, About attitude, I mentioned five attitudes approaches to life. To be proactive, understanding, true, hardworking, and fair. And the ultimate attitude and goal in life is freedom. I had no idea that this idea would develop even further and become the title and core concept of my next book. But... What does it mean to be free? Freedom is the state where the body is doing whatever the heart and soul is telling it to do. All three aligned, the most comfortable state ever. There is no contradiction or cacophony in life. Everything is crystal clear and makes sense. I know what I want to do. I can do it without any interference. And the happiness that is generated from growing into a better person while doing what the heart desires. Because this value is so precious, it's hard to grasp it. Because to be truly free, there has to be some sort of responsibility, control, and self-restraint supporting it. There is a price to pay for keeping this state of freedom. A price I gladly pay. So I like her definition of freedom in the excerpt that you just read for us. Freedom is the state where the body is doing whatever the heart and soul is telling it to do. Do you agree with this definition? Absolutely, because if a child, as a childlike state, and then you do whatever you want, it's kind of like having a tantrum. It's not really <laughs> right. So uh-huh. freedom means like there is some kind of um, responsibility. But then again, yeah, I don't know. Isn't tantrum also like your heart and soul is telling you to like lie down on the floor and like <laughs> <laughs> flail your arms until until you get whatever it is that you desire to let that emotion out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a from the child's perspective. I think it's a it's a very um, a pure expression of freedom. It's like I can do this. I can get away with it in the department store. I will do it. <laughs> Yes, I do agree Uh in that sense too. Right, right. But she's also implying in the last part that you read for us that um, there are heavy dues to be paid in exchange for freedom. So, like, do you agree with that as well? She said, um, 
something about because to be truly free, there has to be some sort of responsibility, control, and self-restraint supporting. So no tantrums. <laughs> well, I was thinking about this concept of freedom, and it's uh-huh. really complicated. And of course, it's like our deepest desire, like in uh, Milton's um, Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. You know the. The human Adam wants to become free, meaning that he wants to have full autonomy, right? To be more like God, not mm-hmm. to be subjugated under God, right? Right. So that's how the um, devil kind of like allures him, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can become like God. You don't have to have a master, right? Right. So he he lures him with the prospect of autonomy and freedom, and fails to tell him what the fine print is. Mm-hmm. Except you will have all these added responsibilities yes and then so much pain will occur after it right so then again like i was thinking maybe freedom truly means to be free from these desires or the sense of wanting to have autonomy oh so maybe of a more zen approach Mm -hmm. so freedom is the is the state of not wanting anything yes so okay not even autonomy yeah, so that mm, drive okay. or the non-drive. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, it was kind of like um, clashing, but I do consider that um, some kind of sort of freedom. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that the author mentioned in the prologue is that um, when she wrote her last essay collection, it was about attitude and there were five things. And it was like being proactive and understanding, being true, hardworking and fair. And then she said that... These five things ultimately led to the end goal, which is freedom. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting that there, there were all these like different things that were more tied to um, responsibility as a human being, as a social human being mm-hmm. um, functioning well in society. And that kind of led to like hard work and being true and being fair. Like that leads her to freedom. And I thought that was kind of a nice um interesting leap that she's making there. So can you tell us a little bit about our author Im Gyeongsan and her background? Mm-hmm. So Im Gyeongsan was born in 1972 and she lived abroad most of her childhood from age 5 to 17 in Japan, the US, Portugal, Brazil, and all around Europe and South America. Mm-hmm. So her values are never really confined by borders mm-hmm. and she developed a very sure sense of herself as a child. Right. She studied poli-sci at Sogang University and Tokyo mm-hmm. University and worked in various fields such as in um, music labels, internet search companies, advertisement as a marketing manager for, for about 10 years and had a turning point. She couldn't work at a regular office during regular hours because of her fourth reoccurrence of thyroid cancer mm. and hence had to choose to write outside as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And so she is a regular columnist in magazines and newspapers, guests on radio shows, and has published several books, a collection of columns, essays, novels, such as Love Paradox, Yone Bonneng, Love Instinct, Haruki wa Norway Super Kotta, taking a stroll with Haruki in the Norwegian woods. 대한민국에서 일하는 여자로 산다는 것, what it means to live as a woman in Korea. Mm. And she's married and has a daughter. And she said that taking her to school and working in quiet cafes on her next book is what makes her truly happy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I found interesting about her background is that she lived abroad, but not just in one country, but like abroad in many different countries 
um, between the ages 5 through 17. And her values were never confined by borders. And that reminded me of what you said about Adam in Paradise Lost. If you're not confined to a, a certain set of rules or certain values or, or customs, you're more free to build whatever it is that you want to be. But then that can also be kind of scary because mm-hmm. there are no guidelines. There's nothing like pressing you down. You're this like amorphous thing that can morph into anything, anything at all. It gives you a sense of uh, responsibility and freedom, mm-hmm. but also a perspective as an outsider. So right. she does say in one of her essays that how she's very sensitive uh, to different languages and the differences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some words cannot be expressed in Korean that are in the English like, oh, you know, terminology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I, I can see why um, she was able to develop into this this sort of um, essay writer who has a broader, wider perspective on things. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that kind of background definitely adds to it. So how is she perceived in Korea? So what I found amusing and puzzling at the same time is that a lot of readers comment that they like her essays more than her novels. Oh, that's interesting. So I've only read a, f- a few of her essay collections because they are more popular. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they're really good. Uh-huh. And I will also look into her novels in the future. But it was interesting that how she mentioned what she feels when um, she's critiqued and commented and uh, from her readers and um, her fans, but also by literary critics and how she perceives that. Mm-hmm. And so how does she feel about them, the, the critiques and comments? So I brought an excerpt about mm-hmm. that. I do not critique other writings publicly. To be more accurate, I don't criticize. Yes, I do have preferences, but I don't want to stamp my seal of approval or disapproval that this book is boring or bad. I just wish that more and more people will be interested and enjoy the work regardless whether it is a book, movie, music. Although it is inevitable that the art will always be that art will always be um, perceived subjectively and reviews will divide. But if there is an evident flaw in the work, I assure you, the writer knows it better than anyone else. Of course, criticism isn't wrong. All works that have been published and open to the public are under the eye of criticism. But despite of what I know in my head, I can't do it with my heart. I actively cannot say negative comments about other writers because I know more than anybody how painful and long the process of creation is. So it sounds like she's not exactly saying that uh, critiquing or or criticism is wrong. It's just she's too nice of a person <laughs> that she can't she can't say it, it like hurts almost for her to say anything negative about something that someone has written. Well, in the excerpt before this, mm-hmm. um, there's a paragraph where she said, "I if I was given the chance, and I do have the ability to critique people in a very you know sassy way, uh-huh. but I choose not to. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she has that ability, and she can do it, but she chooses not to because it doesn't feel very good. Yes, and uh, okay. she would rather do it on a personal level uh-huh. rather than on a public level. Right, right. Well, how do you feel about critiquing in general, whether you're on the giving end or the receiving end? 
So during grad school and interpretation school, mm-hmm. um, our professors are really harsh on us, and they okay. give us a lot of critiques. But it's okay. harsh love. Okay. So. Maybe I'm a masochist in that sense, but I actually enjoyed it okay. because no one in this real life tells you how high your standards should be. Mm-hmm. So after I graduated from grad school, no one actually told me. Like they don't comment me on my interpretation or my translation results. Right, right, right. They just don't call me again. Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so you enjoyed that tough love because they were they were sort of like. Trying to get you to become a, a better interpreter by through this constant critiquing. Yes, and so right. you know how high you should aim, mm-hmm. rather than for a lot of my peers said like, I know what to do, and they've done it for ten years and twenty years, and hence, of course, they're better than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't do it, you know, right now. I'm like uh-huh. a beginner. I'm still like a little puppy. Right, right. But. Well, if you're a puppy and your professor's trying to get you to be a dog, like at a at a like a show or something, Uh prancing around obstacles. Yeah, but I mean, isn't doesn't that get kind of soul crushing sometimes? Like you know you can't do it. You know that you will be able to do it in a couple of years, but you just can't get there. Yeah. Well, critiques are critiques. You have to kind of like you know brush it off that Mm -hmm. day. Right. But then still, I do think that. A, a teacher that is very harsh and very stern, mm-hmm. but also says it's okay. You can have alternatives, various solutions, mm. and you applaud the person for taking risk because mm-hmm. risk takers really, you know, go higher. They right, reach right, right. the ultimate answer closer. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. but then you you should tell them like maybe you went too far this time, mm-hmm. or maybe you should you know like turn pull it, back a little. Pull back yeah, a little. yeah, yeah. But what about um, when you are being the judge of something? So, I as a child really loved Harry Potter. I, I think I read it maybe like more than fifty times. <gasps> really? Yeah, all the wow. books. Okay. So when I read the Korean translated version, I was uh-huh. like, "Oh my goodness, this doesn't <laughs> even portray like sixty percent, fifty percent of what it should okay. be." Okay. So you were a harsh critic of a very the Korean harsh translation. Like, okay. why did they translate it like this? Uh-huh. But then I tried it my uh, myself. Uh-huh. You then, you actually tried to translate it to Harry Potter. The Korean. Okay. And then it was so much worse. <laughs> and then after that, I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, that's true. It's very easy to critique someone, but it's very hard to actually do. And I think that's one thing that uh, Im Gyeongsan mentions in the excerpt that you just read for us. Is that um, this idea that constructive criticism maybe maybe doesn't exist because they already know mm. deep in their hearts. The writer, whoever you know, made this like big flaw. They already know that it's there, but mm. it's already out there in the world, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's already killing them. So why point that out again and again, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the last excerpt, which is about the difference um, between an essay and a novel. According to what my guts tell me, novels come from the head, and essays are written from the heart. Your state of mind has to be flexible and more open, rather than trying hard to find topics and sitting hours in agony. You have to write whatever comes to your mind naturally, and what you really want to write about. Under this state, the writing becomes vivid and illuminating. I treasure two things the most in essays: first, honesty. 
and second, the writer's distinct style of writing. Essays are a merciless genre where the author stands stark naked. The readers can sniff between the lines whether the writing is true or whether it is just a facade, facade of being genuine or down to earth. Dishonest writing doesn't attract many readers, and in other words, it is almost impossible for truth writing to be boring. So that last part really rings true with me. It's almost impossible for truthful writing to be boring. When someone is telling you a, a story about themselves that is true, I think um, it has a way of fascinating other people because mm -hmm. no matter how many times you have heard stories, personal stories of people, I think the way that um, we deal with things on a personal level are so different mm -hmm. and we say it in so many different ways that I think each time I hear it, it's very, very fascinating. But um, the other thing that I found interesting is um, the way she uh, described the essay genre. She calls it merciless. <laughs> what, what do you think she means by that? So, it, like, novels are more carefully constructed worlds mm -hmm. based on logic of right. the mind, right? Mm -hmm. But essays are more of a true manifestation, a less, what do you call it? It's more naked, right? Mm, right. Of yourself or what you feel. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's merciless because people critique your essay. It means kind of, it's critiquing what you feel, what you believe in, what right. your values are. Yes, and like your own person, like who you are. Yes. Because you're not hiding behind that, um, that wall of fiction. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, yeah, it is, it is very scary, but it's also, like I said um, before, like the author said, um, it can be very, make for very um, interesting read. So this is, as I have said before, um, our last episode of Must Read Korean Book. Do you have any uh, last words of goodbye to our listeners? Well, I did want to say something like two separate parts messages to our Korean-based listeners <laughs> and our English-based listeners. Right, right, right. So first of all, I really enjoyed actually translating these Korean texts. And I really encourage a lot of people to do that because mm -hmm. once you critique yourself and refine it over and over, it's a really great way to become much more sensitive and learn the language. Mm, right. And also to our more international base, um, really learn Korean and learn the culture because we have a lot more to offer, I think. I believe we have our particular type of style or swag that <laughs> um, a lot of our Korean writers have. And so really, like, also you can read the translated versions, but also learn Korean and mm -hmm. read the original texts. Right, right. It's a very special language. So, oh, and I really want to thank you, Jamie. Oh, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> well, best of luck to you, Sarah Kwan, and hopefully we'll see you again in the near future. Bye, guys. Coming up next is David's bookmark, but first, here's George Benson's Someday We'll All Be Free. As it spins around 